0: Like this? Thank you. Mm -hmm. It is a great privilege and great joy to sit together with you for these minutes in meditation. I come from Mahabodhi Buddha Vihara in South India, in a place called Bangalore. I am disciple of Venerable Acharya Buddha Rakita. Venerable Acharya Buddha Rakita was um, in Myanmar with uh, Venerable Mahasi Sayadaw, and in Sri Lanka with Venerable Nyanatiloka Bhante. <clears throat> Today I would like to share few words about um, about one of the earliest discourses of the Buddha which is called Aditya Pariyaya Sutta. The fire sermon. I think you have heard about it, and you have read about it. The fire sermon is the third uh, discourse of the Buddha. After the uh, first discourse in Sarnath, and that is turning the wheel of dharma. And the second discourse is about uh, egolessness, anatta. And this is the third discourse, Aditya Pariyaya Sutta. You see, now we are uh, celebrating in these days Vesak, the birth of the Buddha. 2600 and odd years back this great man came on this earth and brought us such a wonderful path, the path of mindfulness, the path of enlightenment. 2,600 years passed away. So long. But the the relevance remains the same. The importance and the use and the way it is practiced and the benefits it brings in our lives, it is the same. Because uh, the problems that we had 2,600 years ago were the same ones as we have today. So, um, in uh, in this sutta, um, the Buddha tells about the fire. And this was taught to 1,000 monks. And these 1,000 monks were earlier worshippers of fire. After enlightenment, Lord Buddha went to Sarnath to give this first discourse and the second discourse. And he spent the first Vasa, the first rainy season in Sarnath. And by the time he finished his first rainy season, there were 60 arahants, enlightened people. And he told them, "Go, go in different directions and teach this Priceless Dhamma. And then he himself walked back to Buddhagaya, what we call now Bodhgaya. Uh, at that time it was called Uruvela. And there he comes across um, three brothers uh, Nadika Sapa. He had 200 disciples. Gaya Kasapa, he had 300 disciples. And Uruvela Kasapa, he had 500 disciples. So altogether, 1,000 disciples, these three brothers had. And these were ascetics who were doing this fire worship. They used to uh, consider that by worshipping fire, things will burn out. (laughs) The things outside and things inside, everything will burn out. So they thought uh, this fire has the um, power to burn the inner defilements also. So they used to worship this and make this edna, uh, uh, some kinds of uh, fire. It said there is a procedure of doing that. So the Buddha, um, the Buddha came there and uh, he tried um, to explain them, but it was not that. Easy. It took quite some time before the Buddha could convince uh, one of them. And when the first one was convinced, then later on the other two brothers were convinced and then their disciples also became the disciples of the Buddha. So now these one thousand disciples and these three brothers. They were sitting in front of the Buddha. On this wonderful place called Gaya Sisa, it's a hillock near Bodh Gaya. And there, Lord Buddha thought, "What should be the subject of my discourse to these people?" And then he saw that they are the worshippers. Of the of fire, so they understand fire better. So then, Lord Buddha gave this uh, discourse, fire sermon. So in this sermon, he says, "Everything is burning. (laughs) Everything is burning." And he asks, "What is the what is that which is burning?" What is that is everything. Then he explains, "Oh, these eyes are burning eye object is burning. eye consciousness is burning. the contact with eye is burning, and the Feelings, the sensations that arise because of this eye contact. All that is burning. And burning with what? It is burning with passion, greed. It is burning with hatred. It is burning with delusion. And it is burning with birth, old age, sickness, death and all the things that happen, pains, and mental pain, and physical pain, and lamentation, and hopelessness, and all. Now this is a very, very important statement that the Buddha has made. Um, So also he continues to say that not only eyes, but also ears, The same thing, ears and sound and uh, ear consciousness and contact and feelings. So also nose, tongue, body and mind. Now, if we observe carefully, mindfully, then we understand this very clearly. This eyes. Have you ever thought why did you get these eyes? (laughs) And this kind of eyes, the human eyes, or human ears, not the eagle eyes, you can't see like eagle, so sharp, but you have eyes of human quality. Why these eyes are there? And this kind of eyes, why we are born with this ear, nose, and this kind of body. Have you ever thought? By the way, yesterday we were visiting uh, Monterey Aquarium. (laughs) Very beautiful aquarium. But more and more and more I saw, uh, in a way I was terrified wow what is what kind of living beings such strange creatures and such strange bodies and such strange way of living and living in water at depths some even kilometers and kilometers down below the uh, water's dark waters I was thinking, why this fellow got now this kind of color, and this kind of body, and why did I get myself this human body? It was very interesting, very interesting to look at this fish and this uh, different kinds of uh, octopus, and so strange, so different, totally different kinds of body formation and how they sustain, how they eat, how they catch their prey, it was very, very interesting. Ultimately, it boils down to craving. (laughs) It is the craving, it is the attachment that has brought this They are so comforted with that kind of body, that kind of sense faculties. Our body can't feel many things, but their bodies can feel in water many things, because they developed it, developed it because of craving, tanha, so that they can exist there and they are comfortable. And they don't want to leave it. They want to continue. There is craving to continue. Just like we have craving with our bodies. Our comfort zone is this kind of body, this kind of eyes. Oh, we want these eyes. We want to open our eyes and look at the things. You just keep your eyes shut for one full day? how do you f- how do you feel? Oh no, no, I want to open. I want to open and see <laughs> that craving is there. So these eyes, eyes are burning <laughs> with this tanha, with this craving of greed or hatred. Sometimes we don't want to see many things. Oh, that object, this object, we don't want. And then the minds, the states of mind that are produced because of this eye contact. Oh, sometimes we want, we want, sometimes we don't want. And most of the time we we are not even aware what is happening just with one sense faculty, what all the things that are happening in our life, it is unimaginable. (laughs) And all it is because of our craving. Very rarely we use it for our wisdom. Most of the time, we just flow in the big flood of <laughs> likes and dislikes. That is where we need mindfulness. You know, this uh, very famous, um, very famous teaching of the Buddha to one person called Bahia. Bahia, Daruchiria. That fellow was sailing somewhere and his ship broke down and they all died and somehow this man lands on a, uh, on a place, he survives. And then he didn't have any clothes, so he put on some leaves and barks. And the people there started thinking, oh this fellow looks like a holy saint. (laughs) So they started worshipping him. And when they started worshipping him, he thought, oh, I'm a holy saint. What a wonderful thing. And then they offered clothes. Then he thought, no, I don't want clothes. (laughs) If people are worshipping me, why should I wear these clothes? And then he started even thinking that he is an arahant, enlightened person. But he was not an enlightened person, just he was half naked, he was moving around. And then one day somebody comes and tells him, hey look Bahia, you are neither an enlightened arahant nor you are on the path of arahantship, you are just lost in some stupidity. And then he realized, oh yes, that is true. <laughs> So he asked, what should I do? Then that person said, actually it was a Deva. And that Deva said, go go to Jetavana, where Lord Buddha is staying. Go and learn something from, from the Buddha. That will help you. And then there was such a sense of urgency in him. He just decided to go and he started running and running and running towards Jetavana. It's quite far away. And he comes there after running and walking day and night, day and night. And he comes to the monastery, Jetavana monastery. And there he asks, Where is Buddha? and it was morning, it must be around say, seven, eight o'clock or around that time. They said, well, uh, the Buddha has gone for arms round. It seems you have come from far distance. Why don't you take rest? Get fresh up and then Lord Buddha will come and you can see him. He said, no, I want to go and see him now. <laughs> <laughs> then They thought, oh, this man is so, he's insisting so much. They said, well, Lord Buddha has gone this way. He ran into that street and he found out the Buddha, he was walking slowly, slowly with some disciples. He goes there to the Buddha and he says, oh Lord, Please teach me something. (laughs) Give me dhamma. And the Buddha said, Oh, we are on the street. This is not the right time. He said, No, now I want. (laughs) So, Lord Buddha focused his mind on this person and he saw that he has very few, some minutes left then he will die. So the Buddha standing right on the street, he said, look by here. When there is seeing, be aware, just it is seeing. When there is hearing, just be aware, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and thinking. Just be there. That's all. He didn't give a long sermon or something. Just, he said, now go and practice. And he went to a place, must be some somewhere under a tree or somewhere. He sat down and meditated. Just on these senses. How they are functioning. How they are interacting. And what is happening. Oh, that was such a deep, insightful meditation. And he became enlightened arahant. And he was so full of joy and he thought, well, I should go and worship the Buddha. Again he ran back. (laughs) The Buddha was still on his arms round. And he worshipped the Buddha. And he said, O Lord, please ordain me as monk, And then the Buddha said, well, do you have the robes and the bowl? He said, no, I will get them. So he went to get robes and bowl and then a bull came and just it uh, hit him and killed him. So he died and then he fell dead. But by then, then the other monks asked the Buddha, oh, this man came running and this man asked question and then he wanted to be monk. What happened to him, Lord? He just died in such a miserable way. Then the Buddha said, yes, he died in a miserable way, no doubt, but he was a wise person. He he achieved what needed to be achieved. So there, The teaching was very simple. Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, six senses we have. But how many times we are aware of them, the interaction between the objects. Just when we look, it's a wonderful exercise. As meditators, it's very important also because the senses are anyway bombarded with the objects, and we are all the time interacting with one or the other object. We hang on to one or the other object. There is not one moment where we are free from any sense objects. At least one sense Must be working. Then only we are alive. That is going on, but that part of our life we are missing because there is no mindfulness. And remember, these are not simple capabilities. To see something is a wonder. We can see, though we can't see everything, but still we can see many things. But seeing, the process of seeing is there, which is causing so many different perceptions, understandings. And what all we judge, just because we have these eyes, If we don't have mindfulness, then surely it will burn. Likes and dislikes, likes and dislikes, or most of the time, ignorance. We don't even know we are ignorant. <laughs> the time is passing and passing, we hear so many sounds, we don't care at all. We don't use. But Bahi, I used. Bahia used and he became enlightened person. We also hear the similar sounds and get smells and tastes, but we don't pay attention. So we are lost in ignorance. So what do we do? We keep on reacting. Reacting with greed, reacting with dislike, hatred, resentment or with ignorance, or oh, deep ignorance. How many millions and millions of objects have come into our the range of our senses, but we didn't pay attention. We remained ignorant. And with this greed, hatred, ignorance, instead of understanding them, we are doing karmas after karmas after karmas. And what these karmas will bring? What else they will bring other than more and more of ignorance? And because of this attachment, more and more of birth, once again get this body, once again get these senses, once again start interacting, once again the same story old age, sickness. We feel pains. We feel sick in the body. That is the result. That is what we wanted. (laughs) That is what we craved. We get what we crave and attach to. That is the law. So the more and more craving, the more and more of this birth, and the same story, old age, sickness, in between lamentation, oh, I lost this person, I lost that beloved, this dear thing or that dear thing pain, grief, sometimes hopelessness. Oh, what can I do? I can't do. You don't feel confident yourself, even though you have all the potentialities to grow to the heights, the ultimate heights of wisdom and compassion, but still feel helpless, hopeless, because of the life situations, because of ignorance. Oh, that is what is going on. So the Buddha said, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, they are burning, because we are allowing them to burn all the time. We have this wonderful path now So the Buddha said, when there is this eye, eye contact, and you are aware, you know that, ah, this is just a visual object. This is this, okay. Then your wisdom is working. Not greed or hatred. This is this. And the nature of Everything inside, everything outside is impermanent. They are changing, changing, changing. You can see your own eyes, how many times there is eye interaction. It is changing, changing. Eye consciousness is changing. Perception is changing. Isn't it a immensely dynamic process, the life, so when we understand this with wisdom, yeah, the path of enlightenment, we are walking on the path of enlightenment, the dhamma Chakra, the wheel of dharma is rolling, otherwise dukkha chakra, the wheel of suffering will roll, so it is up to us which will to uh, roll on and on in our life. You are all so lucky people that you have this wonderful opportunity to hear the Dhamma. This life is so precious. Human life is very precious because uh, human beings have this capacity. Yesterday. I was wondering again and again, looking at this fish and other beings, what capacity we have got, mental capacity, to develop wisdom. Oh, that is lost in this animal world. And if we land there, my goodness, (laughs) so difficult to come out, so difficult to come out. You know, Lord Buddha gives this example of this turtle inside the ocean. Huge ocean. And there is storm and waves, big waves and storms. And then there is, just imagine, a wooden plank with a hole inside. And then this turtle is blind. (laughs) He comes... Once in a hundred years he brings up his head above the surface of the water and then goes back and again he comes after a hundred years. Now imagine a time comes when he brings up his head he comes out through that hole in that wooden plank then what is the chance? (laughs) Ocean, storm, waves, and this plank is floating up and down, here and there, and this fellow comes only once in hundred years, and once he comes in such a way that his head rises through that hole in the wooden plank. So the probability (laughs) is so, so, so rare. Very rare. If we land in lower words, like in animal word or other lower words, then to come back to human being, human word, human life, is so rare, the Buddha says. So such wonderful life we have got. And especially you all have got (laughs) all the comforts all the facilities, and such beautiful uh, meditation center. And you have such beautiful sangha here to get together and learn and practice. And now and then, monks coming, or nuns coming, and (laughs) some good uh, teachers coming. So don't miss this chance. <laughs> this is a very, very, very rare chance to come in contact with the Dhamma and to practice and walk on the path of Dhamma. So this is a very rarest of rare chances that you have got. So may you progress on this path. May you progress... In this very life, at least do some solid job <laughs> of cleaning up. And it is never, never late. Bahia, that fellow came, it was never late for him. <laughs> Even though he came in his last moments, still it was good. So it is never late in life. It all depends on how much paramis you have got and how much sincerity and interest and dedication and just openness. And do it joyfully. Our aim is peace and happiness. So the path has to be paired with moments of peace and happiness. You can't reach happy goal with crying and crying. You have to be smiling and smiling to reach the goal of happiness. So may the blessings of Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, may the blessings of all the enlightened people, may the blessings of your own inner wisdom, your own Samadhi, your own Shila, Shila, Samadhi and Panya, May the blessings, may the power of all these good things surround your lives with well-being, happiness and constant progress on the path of enlightenment. May you all be happy, Sukhino Bhavantu. Now, just let me tell you about our Monastery um, in Bangalore. We have a monastery. It's a. Um, it was started by our teachers sixty years back, and it is a monastic training center. We have hundred twenty young monks uh, under training. Our uh, aim is to give dhamma to monks. And since two years we started a nun's monastery in the far east, uh, northeast of India in Arunachal Pradesh. It's the first of its kind in India for women. Now we have 30 nuns and we hope to increase the facilities and the number of nuns. Quite quite many ladies are interested and they have been asking. But because of limited facilities, right now we are managing. And then we have training program and courses and teaching program for lay people, lay men and women, weekly, monthly programs. And residential programs. We have meditation center near Bangalore, and we run schools and children home for nearly um, nearly thousand children are under our care in our children homes, where we care them food, accommodation, education, clothes, everything. So these are some of the activities. Our headquarters, main monasteries in Bangalore, meditation center is in Bangalore. Then we have ten branches in different parts. So it is my sincere wish and that all of you visit us. You are most welcome to visit our monastery You can stay and also it is a sincere request if you would like to give your time as a volunteer to teach our monks or in our schools and children homes um, say English or art or whatever skills you have got uh, for some time, whatever time you can spend that will be great uh, help for us. So I welcome you for that also. So that's all. (laughs) Thank you very much.